Hey, fellow mathers, do you have limited classroom time? Do you want to make the biggest, best impact on your students that you can? Then you need to start here with the Math is Figureoutable Challenge. It's three one-hour sessions of the quickest and most powerful ways to reach the most students with the most math. We're having special guest Jenna Labe. Mark your calendars for May 15th through 17th at 7 p.m. Central and watch this space to find out when registration opens. If you can't make those times, you'll want to register anyway so you can get access to the session recordings. And now, on to the episode. Hey, fellow mathematicians! Welcome to the podcast where math is figure outable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And you found a place where math is not about memorizing and mimicking, waiting to be told or shown what to do, but it's about making sense of problems, noticing patterns, and reasoning using mathematical relationships. We can mentor mathematicians as we co-create meaning together. Not only are algorithms and step-by-step procedures not particularly helpful in teaching mathematics, but rotely repeating steps actually keeps students from being the mathematicians they can be. I'm really excited about uh, today's episode, Pam. Woo! Yay! Um, So this week, we want to tackle something that is a reality for so many of our teachers. Um, Yeah, absolutely. This one is for you, leaders and coaches and administrators, on behalf of teachers everywhere. So teachers have come to us saying that they're working on building a, quote, math is figureoutable classroom, or, or we could say a mathematizing classroom, where they have uh, students experience more and more mathematics, but also have to be careful because they are very aware that they have administrators who will be doing walkthroughs and, get, and they'll be getting evaluated. And we have heard, if only my admin or my coach knew what I was trying to do here. Yeah, we have heard loud and clear from so many teachers that we really respect that if if they if we could help administrators and coaches and anyone who's in sort of a a position of doing a, an evaluation or, or or helping teachers become better at their craft, if we could help them understand what are the kinds of things that you would see in a mathematizing classroom? What what are the things that you want to see and how could you actually help teachers get better at their craft um, in, in a way that's helpful and purposeful and, and not less helpful because you don't understand what the teacher's going for, what we are, where we're heading in a mathematizing or math is figure outable classroom. Totally. Yeah. Often yeah. we hear of, of instances and f- for sure, Kim, you and I both had it when we were in the classroom, we had a uh, sort of checklist systems where mm-hmm. um, whoever was ev- evaluating us would come through and they had a certain kind of list of things that they were looking for. And, and, and maybe uh, I had a, one principal that would script everything I did, but then he would go mm-hmm. back and label everything um, uh, according to a certain checklist. I had a different yep. principal that had a, a real short checklist system. There were just a few things that he was looking for at certain times. And sometimes that, that list would change, but, but I didn't uh, have input into that list. Um, I don't, uh, many of our teachers don't have input in that list. Many of our principals um, and administrators don't necessarily have input in that list. But if we had a way of having some common understandings of the, the goals of a math is figureoutable teacher, I think we could all help each other um, uh, understand how we can handle this. this it, it, it's going to happen. We're, we're, sure. so we're, we're realistic. We're not saying, so no more evaluation. Like That's not even helpful. We're not suggesting it would be helpful to not um, evaluate. We actually want your help. We want to invite you that we can have a, a more productive help 
if we all have a, a more common understanding of what things mean and um, that, that's not quite the way I want to say that, of what we are hoping for and aiming for and working toward, that's probably the best word I could say, what we're working toward in a math is forgettable classroom. So our goal is to help you understand what you might see or want to see in that math is figureoutable mathematizing classroom. And to do that, we are going to focus on the NCTM effective teaching practices. But we might do it with a little bit of a twist. So if you're a leader out there and you just tuned out, you're like, oh, I've seen those. Uh, maybe, maybe stay, stay, stay focused a little bit. We're going to give you definitely our math is figureoutable bent on those effective teaching practices. So let's do it. So there are eight practices and we're going to take just a minute to talk about each one of those um, and, and what we think that they mean. So the Ooh, first Kim, one, I'm sorry. Can I just yeah. really, really fast? Yeah. Just for a little bit, tiny, tiny bit more background. The uh, NCTM, NCTM, no, that's not tri- true. The Common Core State Standards came out with the Mathematical Practice Standards, oh, which yeah. describe mm-hmm. standards for students in a mathematizing, math is classroom. At least I'm uh-huh. saying that, that those are those are practices that we would want to see in a mathematizing, math is classroom for students. And then NCTM, NCSM, and leadership got together and said, if those are the kinds of student practices we want to see, what are the effective teaching practices to make those happen? Yeah. And I think that was a brilliant move. Well done. And that's those are the, the teaching practices that we're going to focus on today. Yeah. So the first one is establish mathematics goals to focus on learning, which sounds fabulous, right? So, so fantastic. Um, yep. But what, what I think a lot of people take that to mean is let me go through my standards and let me copy down the uh, 3.2A standard onto the board uh, on a chart, on a flip chart, on my dry erase board, and maybe read it aloud, maybe just post it each day. Maybe but make we'll, students write it in their in their notebook oh, for the day. Yeah, this is the student will. So yeah. At the end of today, I will. And then they kind of maybe even have written that standard in their own. Yeah. I will language. I can yeah. language. Yeah. And, and we're suggesting that establishing mathematics goals to focus on learning is a very necessary and important thing for teachers to do to focus their lesson, but that does not translate into proclaiming that standard in front of students at the beginning of the lesson. We do not find those to be equivalent statements. So do we want to help teachers establish goals? Absolutely. Do we want to force them to to write that objective on the board at the beginning of the class? We are saying no. We're saying that that actually can be counterproductive for classrooms. Yeah. So what it does mean is that kids walk away knowing what they got out of the time that you spent together. Yeah. So let's, let's put the emphasis on, we, we need the teacher to know ahead of time what the mathematics goal is. We need the student to walk out of the classroom being really clear on uh, the objective of the day and what they were able to accomplish, what the goal was and what they're maybe still working towards. So the goal could be um, a, a work in progress, but we do need students to be, to have clarity around uh, the fact that they were working I don't want to say working hard. That sounds like it was all about um, effort. It's not, it's not that, that, that they were developing something specific during that class that day. So we want to maybe uh, help 
leaders and teachers flip the the timing that it's not about students going. Uh, we want students to be really clear. They're going to learn in class today, but we don't want to. Um, I, I don't want to say spoil the surprise. Cam, help me put better words around it. Well, there are d- definitely some standards that um, that if you announce ahead of time, this is what we're going to do today, then students are deprived of the opportunity of the sense making of the sense making that they grappling doing in class. Yeah. Yeah. They're deprived of the sense making and grappling and, and, and by definition learning Mm -hmm. that, that they could be doing in class and it will also nudge them too much towards just doing, Oh, if that's the thing that I'm going to do it and get an answer and be done. And I'm not going to engage in, in the grappling. It can have the effect of trivializing and making everything too much about getting an answer and not about developing the learner as a mathematician. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that was number one. Number two, the next effective teaching practice is, impl- oh, by the way, maybe I should just say, we're not going to fully flesh all these out. We're get, uh, Our goal of this podcast is to give you some ideas uh, for each of these te- uh, teaching essential teaching practices to help you um, help your teachers become the mathematician that the the math teacher they want to be. So we're just going to mention the ones that are sparking the most for us right now. We're not pretending that we're giving all of these a full treatment. So, so can I just jump in real quick? So what that means for leaders and administrators and coaches is that you might have teachers who've actually thought about the fact that they want kids to be thinking about goals for the day, but they recognize that, that writing it on the board tells them what they're going to do rather than giving them the opportunity to think and process. So rather than, you know, ding, you didn't, you didn't write 3.2a, maybe a conversation, right. will will help give you a vision for why they didn't. Ah, so in other words, we're encouraging leaders, have the conversation with teachers. Tell me about your goal for the day. Yeah. Help me understand that you did, you did, you had established a mathematics goal for this lesson um, cool. And then how are students going to walk out of here being clear on that goal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. All right. Number two, implement tasks that promote reasoning and problem solving. Mm. That's a good <laughs> one. Like that. We like that yeah. one a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we also recognize it's not trivial. It's not trivial yeah. for teachers to find those tasks. It's also not trivial for uh, administrators, um, evaluators to evaluate um, the task uh, itself. So that also might benefit from a conversation about why particular tasks were chosen, um, especially to uh, how, in what way were they going to lead towards that established goal that we just yeah. talked about? Yeah. We would suggest that a thing that you'd be looking for is that it's not about direct teaching. Now I've been reading some tweets lately that uh, I'm so clear that language is so tricky because there's some some bright, articulate people who are pushing back on the pushback on direct teaching uh, because they've said, well, it depends on what you mean by direct teaching. So it does. It absolutely does. We are suggesting that it's not about uh, giving students a, a step-by-step procedure that you clearly outline, uh, this is what you do here, 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 now go practice it 29 times. Yeah. That that's not that does not fulfill the effective teaching practice of implementing tasks that promote reasoning and problem solving. We we would look um, for kids grappling. We would look for kids working together. We would uh, look for kids mimicking and say that's not a good. If we see mimicking, then we don't mm-hmm. think 
uh, the task hit the target. Uh-huh. Is there anything you'd add to that? Um, yeah, I would say that if kids are really problem solving, that's messy work. And so there's probably going to be some conversations. This might come up again later, but some conversations and some, you said grappling, but it, it might not be so cleanly tied up with a bow at the end of your five minute bell ring ding um, mm-hmm. time. So like some of it will spill over. Some of it will uh, provide conversation and, and that's perfectly fine. It's, it's that's desirable and desirable. And so, so when we said that we want students to walk out at the end of the class, um, being clear on what they learned, we, that might not be them saying, I learned a, this procedure. Well, yeah. we don't want it to be, I learned this procedure or I, I mimicked such and such. Uh, but it also might not, they, they might be able to say, I worked on this problem and I worked hard on it. And there, yeah. here's some things that I'm grappling with about that problem. Yeah. Um, that, that could be, uh, 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 not only acceptable, but a desirable outcome. Yeah. Uh, at some point, yes, th- there'll be closure on that problem, but it might not be in that part of the lesson that you observed that day. Right. But it would be good to, it'd be good to, to, to have the conversation with the teacher. You know, yeah. I noticed that students left here still grappling with some things. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then that becomes a conversation um, that I think could be really productive for, for everyone. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Number three is to use and connect mathematical representations. <laughs> Love. Um, models and modeling is such mm-hmm. uh, such a huge thing for us, making thinking visible. Um, mm-hmm. We say that a lot, and maybe we'll just um, leave it at that. We, uh, we would, in a mathematizing math is forgettable classroom, there should be modeling of thinking, making yeah. thinking visible. Yep. Yeah. I appreciate especially the connection, the, the word connect, mathematical mm. representations mm-hmm. um, because it's not just about what's the one way you solved it and the one way you represented it, but the, the connection between student thinking um, and seeing their thinking and other people's work. That's so valuable. I think, I, I think maybe it doesn't it, get enough credit. Yeah. And similarly, but slightly different is it's not just about multiple representations. Yeah. It's about the connections between multiple representations. Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. The next one, uh, number four, facilitate meaningful mathematical discourse, which you kind of brought up just a minute ago, Kim. Yeah, Yeah. Um, definitely. Discourse is so valuable um, as a mathematician. And, you know, we spend so much time, I think, hearing about what classrooms like should look like. And and you and I are both not really into um, compliance necessarily. You know, Mm -hmm. we we like community and kids want to be a part of the community. when when we set those up uh, meaningful and this meaningful mathematical discourse does not mean, you know, there's arguments or, or there's, you know, a riot happening, but kids, kids justifying their thinking and arguing their uh, points um, and like ruminating on what's going on in their heads and then, and then grappling with it out loud to others is learning is happening in, in all that. Absolutely. And if you'd like more on that, we have an episode on do say represent where we really talk about um, acquisition of language and how language can help um, learning occur Mm -hmm. and how it's, it's the grappling with being able to put things into words that can, uh, is a, is a, and then, and then representing that thinking and that, that process of um, do what we call it, do say represent. So maybe check out that episode if you'd like more on why mathematical discourse is so important. Yeah. Cool. 
All right. The next one is posing purposeful questions. Yeah. Uh, that has been um, something that I've been thinking about for a very long time. Um, I was always very interested in better questioning, even before I knew about real math. But then when I dove into the research and into my kids' classrooms and figured out what it meant to do real math, all of a sudden, <laughs> questions became this whole other gamut of, it's not just about me questioning you through a procedure. It's not just me questioning to see if you got the thing that I was having you mimic. In fact, it's not those, those things at all. Now it's me questioning so that you learn through the questioning. Um, it, it has everything to do with that discourse that we just talked about. Um, uh -huh. And, that, and uh, yeah, Kim, you wanted to say something about funneling. Do you remember what you were going to say about that? Oh, gosh. No, I don't think I did. I think, I think we were talking about the difference between, and, and NCTM and the, and the discussion about these standards uh, does a very nice job of parsing out focusing questions versus funneling questions, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which actually the first time I had seen that, I was a young, super young teacher. Um, I just started teaching and it had come out in an article in the mathematics teacher uh, where they had parsed out those two is where I really began thinking about the different kinds of questions and how, how we want to help students focus when we question. Um, yep. Focusing versus funneling talk about patterns of questioning. And so it's not just about a single question, having like the right question at a moment, but it's really about your pattern of questioning. So if you fix, uh, picture focusing questions is all about helping students focus on the question, focus on what they're thinking, focus on the relationships versus a less effective pattern called a funneling pattern and a funneling pattern. And it's funny, I'm doing it right now with my finger. You, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like swirling a tornado in, in uh, to be a funnel in the, in the air right now, because a funneling pattern sort of takes kids through this tornado, this funnel where you ask a question, they answer it. And that leads to a next question and they answer it. It leads to a next one. And by the end of it, you've reached the end of the funnel. They've gotten an answer. But without that funnel, the kid's lost. Like if you mm -hmm. don't refunnel them through mm -hmm. that, then the kid can't. The kid can't reason through the question. Mm -hmm. And so it's, we we want to lean away from funneling patterning of question to mm -hmm. a focusing patterning of course pattern well, of and, question. And I think I'm I'm so glad that you talked about that because I think that it could feel like you know, as a teacher or as a leader, you're watching your teachers. It could feel like it might be helpful because you'd see a teacher circulating to a student talking with them for a few minutes, then walking over to the next student talking with them for a few minutes. But that time that is so valuable in every single classroom is, is maybe helping a student get an answer to a problem. But if they're asking, if you're only, if you're only funneling type questions, then uh -huh. yeah, that, that, that hasn't grown the learner and, and helped them do anything other than get an answer to that one problem. And, yeah. and what we are looking for is to help students develop mm -hmm. their mathematical reasoning and their mathematics so that they're, they can reason through all sorts of problems, not just get an answer to one kind of problem. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. We got a few more. So uh, the next one is, <laughs> the next one is build <laughs> procedural fluency from conceptual understanding. And I know you have lots to say about this one. And this would be the one that I completely disagree with. Mm. So I like the other eight. But or the other seven, sorry, mm -hmm. there's 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 eight total. I like the other seven. So I'm gonna tweak number six so that it, it works for us. I want to build fluency with conceptual understanding. Yeah. So the standard reads build procedural fluency from conceptual understanding. And I think the word procedural gets in the way. 
I think uh, I've talked to writers of these standards and they're all like, no, no, no. We just want kids to, you know, like, like have a sense of what to do. We want them not to like sit there and have no, um, no idea and, and just fumble around. Well, absolutely. I, I couldn't, couldn't agree with that more. I don't want uh, students to fumble unnecessarily. I don't want them to have no idea what to do. I don't want them to sit there stymied with no, and they're like, yeah, see, we want fluency. So I'm okay. If the definition of fluency is, is that when students see a problem, they dive in and they, 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 they let what pings for them work. They, they let relationships like, oh yeah, I could use that relationship or, oh, I could go that way. To me, that could define fluency, that students um, have the wherewithal to jump in productively using relationships they know, solving problems based on their understanding which then begs that we would have conceptual understanding. So do I want conceptual understanding? Absolutely. The part that I have a problem with is that there would ever be a goal to get fluent with me- rote memorized procedures. Mm-hmm. And writers have said to me, no, 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 that's not what we meant. Except then that's what the paragraph underneath kind of says. And, and I understand. My bet is that when the writers got together, can I say this? I'm going to say it. I bet that when the writers got together, I'm, I'm well aware of, of the, the writing group that, that created these standards. And y'all, you did a fantastic job almost for all of it. But in this one case, I think this was a, a, an example of uh, negotiating. I think, I think there was some negotiation and some people didn't really want this procedural fluency idea in there and others did. And so they kind of compromised. And I think this one was the compromise and I'm not going to compromise. And I'm going to say, nope, we do not need to just start with a little conceptual understanding because our goal is to get kids fluent at these step-by-step procedures. No, what we do want is understanding because we are developing mathematicians and mathematicians fluently think and reason using relationships. So that would be my push on six. All right, let's move on. And let's, Kim, do you want to add anything to six or did I just pontificate enough about that one? (laughs) (laughs) I think you're good. Okay, cool. So the next one, support protect, Productive struggle in learning mathematics. Oh, this one's so near and dear for me. So productive struggle is for me, this idea, and we've talked about it before, that we want kids to to grapple a little bit, but this for me screams, do you need time or help? And we've done a whole episode on that. And so, you know, we don't need to take a lot of time here, but kids just stymied and, and going nowhere is not helpful but mm-hmm. we don't want to supply too much. We don't want to give them too much so that they're not growing, they're not learning. And so the the key word for me here for me here is to support, support the productive st- struggle, to step in in the right moment and help guide rather than give too much. And we like this one so much that we're going to actually spend a future podcast on on this very idea. So stay tuned for more about supporting productive struggle in learning mathematics. And then last, elicit and use evidence of student thinking. And this might be the hardest one for teachers who have a background of being taught sort of traditionally, and it was all about memorizing step-by-step procedures. Um, What does it mean for students to even think? And, and so we look for, in a mathematizing, math is forgettable classroom, we look for problems, like we said, implement tasks that promote reasoning and problem solving. We look for problems that are worth thinking about, mm-hmm. meaning students have access to them. In fact, Kim, I just have to say, I heard um, uh, something on Twitter the other day that I, I, I want to do a whole 
episode about this. So I'll say a little bit about it now where someone said the most damaging idea in math education right now is that you can give students problems um, and that they will then learn math on their own. And, and the teacher, the reply in the tweet was uh, if they don't know what they're doing, it's stupid to just have them sit there confused and frustrated trying to figure out how to do it. And I so understand that perspective. If math is about memorizing step-by-step procedures that someone else gives you, mm-hmm. but if math is figure outable, then we can give students problems that by thinking about them, help them develop more mathematics and that they can, that, that we can be, it's not about handing them random problems that kids have no idea how to do at yeah. all. Yeah. It's about being very judicious about handing them problems that are just on the edge of their zone of proximal development that, that by uh, grappling with those problems, the students develop as mathematicians and they develop mathematics. Yeah. And the I'm, teacher is an active participant in that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm so glad you clarified that because I think that it could be heard as I'm a, I'm a new teacher. I've got, I don't know, fourth grade students and my job is to just give them stuff and say, go. But I love that you said it's just outside their zone of proximal development. They they have some things the there. Just on the they, edge. Just on the, the edge that you yeah. support and nudge and encourage and provide the support that they need. And then and then you up the ante. You do the next bit. With very purposefully chosen problems. Yeah. It's yeah. not about random frustration of trying to guess what's in the teacher's head yeah. at all. So in order to have those kinds of um, tasks... Uh, when we do, then as you're evaluating, as you're using these to help you have a conversation with the teacher that you're observing, you're looking for, one of the things you're looking for is that they are eliciting student thinking, and then they're using that evidence of student thinking in some way to move the math forward. All right. So the eight essential teaching practices are wonderful with a little tweak on number six, and we <laughs> Highly recommend that that could be um, a place for you to to consider uh, as you look for a mathematizing math is figure outable classroom. Yeah. Um, so leaders and administration, I would love to invite you. We have a challenge. The You Can Change Math Class Challenge is next week. Registration is currently open. You can register now at mathisfigureoutable.com slash change. Grab your teachers. Teachers, if you're listening, grab your leaders and coaches. You can do it together and have some great conversation about what a Math is Figure Out classroom can look like. Absolutely. So we will continue that conversation and help more and more make a uh, Math is Figure Outable classroom. The dates are January 18th through the 20th with an extra bonus uh, day on the 21st where we will meet in the evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time on Zoom. People from all around the world will be joining in. Yep. Uh, if you register and can't make those times, that there are recordings available. It is a super fun, engaging, um, productive way for us to all make mo- math more and more figureoutable. That also means that registration for our online workshops is opening soon. We only open registration three times a year and that's coming up. So get your funding ready. All right. Thank you for tuning in and teaching more and more real math. To find out more about the Math is Figureoutable movement, visit mathisfigureoutable.com. Let's keep spreading the word that math is figureoutable.
Thank you for listening and making math more figure outable. Remember, we're going to be opening registration for the Math is Figure Outable Challenge soon. Mark your calendar from May 15th through 17th. You are not going to want to miss these free PD evenings where you'll learn four routines you need in your classroom that are naturally engaging and encourage students to think mathematically. And remember, if you can't make those times, registering gets you access to the recordings. Keep making math figure outable.